So guys, we've kind of reached the Star Wars drought. Solo's out and bombed, and the Star Wars fan base is kind of like a five-alarm fire right now. So we really don't want to talk about that much negativity. So any suggestions on what we can talk about this week? Yeah, talking about the Star Wars fan base right now is like beating a dead Tauntaun. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just like when the prequels came out, and, you know, people just making dumpster fires and stuff, and... Hey, you want to know what was a great part of the prequels? That Clone Wars series that came out during that time. You mean the one in 2008 with the greatest movie of all time starring Zero the Hutt? No, not that one. The one before it. The one that was done by the people who did Dexter's Laboratory. And Samurai Jack? Yes, that very one. I don't know, Zenger. A lot of people don't know about that series. It's kind of like an unseen gem in the Star Wars universe. I know about it. Mark, do you know about it? Yeah, I, I remember very, very well. Alrighty, folks, we're doing it. We've been waiting for years to talk about this. Like fire across the galaxy, the Clone Wars spread. Star Wars The Clone Wars, 2003 to 2005. I'm Zach Weber. It is July 12th, 2018, and we're talking Star Wars The Clone Wars. Tonight, I'm joined by Mark... Hello, everyone. And Zanger? I doubt even Master Qui-Gon could prepare a Jedi for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty. So ever since I, I, we started this podcast, I've been wanting to talk about Star Wars The Clone Wars forever. But between all the nonsense that goes on in between movies, the fan base uh, cannibalizing each other, it never really fit into the conversation. But this is a perfect time in these very dark times of the fandom. We have a beacon of light known as Star Wars The Clone Wars. Not yeah. Star Wars The Clone Wars. That's a completely separate thing. This is the 2003 to 2005 series that ran on Cartoon Network on Friday nights. It is made up of 25 shorts. The first 20 range from one, I'm sorry, range from three minutes approximately. In the latter five of the series were about 12 to 15, depending on what they were doing, with the 20th episode being a weird mishmash of around 10 minutes. So, guys, what is your experience with this? Because I know Zenger's going to probably have a 60-minute dissertation. Chances are, by the time you're hearing this, Zenger will still be talking. So I'm going to let Mark go first. Mark, what was your experience with this show? Well, I remember watching it back in the, in you know when it first came out in 2003. At the time... StarWars.com had a subscription service called Hyperspace, and if I recall correctly, if you had, if you know, if you were a subscriber to their site and to the Hyperspace fan club, you also got access to these uh, Clone Wars episodes. Actually, so you know, whenever there would be one release, I would watch it. I did have, uh, you know, high-speed broadband back then too. It wasn't dial-up, you know, like what people had to. Cue the, dial- uh, Cue the dial-up sound right now. I, I was just going to insert the clip, but thank you for doing the Foley work for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. So actually, you know... Uh, bing, bing, I, bing. Ba, ba, ba. I had... Um, is this AOL or is it anything else? <laughs> this is... Uh, what did I have? Um, I, I had back... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> this, yeah, this was definitely AOL that, that recall. But um, I do remember having AOL, and then I I had uh, SBC uh, high speed internet back when uh, before it was merged with uh, AT and T. Uh, and back then I had this thing called DSL. Basically, the way it is, it was is it was still connected to your phone line, but there was like this technology where you had the modem, and it kind of like splittered off like the phone service with the internet service so you know you won't get your call interrupt you won't get internet connection interrupted when you pick up the phone somebody picks up the phone and the internet was pretty good high speed so that's how i experienced uh starwars.com and that speed um mark mark was one of those rich kids that could talk back in like the early 2000s could surf the web and talk on the phone at the same time yeah, yeah, but I mean, I only we only had one computer, and the family of six had a share. Well, actually, four because my parents were pretty old school still. But anyhow, um, saying are you trying to, are you trying to hook up your internet to a, a phone line right now as we speak? Yeah. Zanger <laughs> <laughs> unplugged his Ethernet cord and plugged it into the telephone jack in the wall, was seeing how Zanger getting really grainy all of a sudden. Like you can barely hear you. Is there something wrong with your connection? What? <laughs> I'm trying to get the YouTubes that the kids have. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. YouTube and two thousand. I think I got what they call an email. <laughs> You've got mail? Is this the internet? <laughs> it's a really bad connection. What the, hey, what the heck? You getting a fax and trying to surf the web at the same time? Okay, we need to stop because, one, we're making too many old people references in the sense of I don't think anyone knows what a fax is now. And also, we're talking about dial-up, so we need to calm it down, guys. All right. So, so Mark, so you didn't watch this on Cartoon Network? No, I do not believe I did. I don't think we had cable, to be honest with you. By then, we didn't have cable. Um, Mark was the OG cord cutter. But I do remember seeing it from the Hyperspace Club, the that that StarWars.com subscription thing. I wish they still had that kind of thing still, because you know it was kind of cool back then. Because you could like see like behind the scenes, uh, uh, webisodes is how they call them when they were making Revenge of the Sith. So that was very cool. So it was the first. So it was the first ten episodes were three minutes long. Am I correct? Was it the first? Yes. So and then the next, and then season two was like. I forgot how long each episode was. No, season um, two was also three minutes. The last uh, episode twenty was ten minutes long. Okay, so but for, um, for the point of argument, though, just for the sake of uh, conversation, saying boundaries, in this because we're going to do this over three episodes, folks. We're doing the first ten, the second ten, then we're doing the final five, and uh, who knows when we get to the other b- episode blocks. But uh, that's how we're today. We're only discussing the first ten. We're laying out kind of the foundation of the series as a whole. Discuss the first ten episodes, and we're going to go from there. And before you get any further, Mark, I'm going to pass it over to Zenger. Zenger, how were you? How did you get introduced to this show? Sitting in front of my TV Friday nights, watching it. I was so excited for these. I remember as a kid, I was just loved these. I loved the animation style. I loved the show. I loved how it was done. I, I legitimately loved everything about this this show, from beginning to end. Might have a little bit of a bias for the rest of this show. Well, it's a good bias. All right. Okay, well, Zanger kept that rather concise. I'm I'm a little surprised by that. I'll go into more detail as we go on. I just wanted to... You better damn better. I Uh, will, don't worry. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, okay, my, my uh, basis with this show, I can still remember where I was when I found out about it. Uh, when I used to live in Florida, there, my mother and I would go grocery shopping at Publix. Anybody, any of our Floridian listeners definitely knows Publix. Heck yeah, cool. go, <laughs> go get one of the subs. They're delicious. Oh, I love the subs. Oh, my Lord, I love the subs. That's my fi- the Publix. Pub okay. T- tangent, sub. my favorite sub of all time is a Publix sub. I've had it some is. great subs. Should be. It is, is the the pinnacle of the sub so yeah is there anybody well, out I there i thought was... wawa's were the pinnacle no, no get out no. okay mark has been disconnected for some reason i don't know what's I, I going think, on i think i think his dial-up connection just gave out <laughs> mark try dialing back in in a couple minutes all right, um, all call right. aol tech support they'll probably be able to help you uh, right. so no Publix is uh the greatest supermarket chain of all time don't even question it this is a record on um, we don't want to disenfranchise anybody except if you don't like Publix. we don't want you as a listener of this show if you don't like Publix, turn the podcast off we don't want you as a listener if you don't like Publix, you haven't been to the pro- you haven't been to Publix. there Damn, yep there you go um so uh, anyway though i go shopping with my mother i go down the magazine aisle um, I really wasn't a, a big internet person as a kid. And I think it was, I don't know the exact time it was. I think it was either late 2002 or maybe very early 2003. I remember there was a Star Wars Insider magazine. And on the cover of it, it said, Star Wars is coming to TV. And like the artwork of the series. And just to let people know, I was a very cynical 11-year-old. or No, I was 10 at the time. I was a very cynical 10-year-old because I said, oh, great. Star Wars on TV. What will they think of next? And, and so I cough. Yeah, I was a very cynical ten-year-old. Like, does everybody know? Like, when I make all these snide remarks about Solo and stuff, like, it is the exact same person I was when I was a child. Um, it, it's gotten a little bit worse, but not by much. So I kind of kept tabs on it. And plus, this, I, I, you know, I was not a huge internet person. My parents really kind of kept a, a a tight leash on me. It was just kind of like I didn't really use the computer. Plus, we had dial-up, so it was kind of a pain. And so I follow it, and I remember. Uh, TV guy, if you remember what that was, uh, this is this is like an episode full of grandpa moments from like DSL <laughs> to dial up to TV guy. Oh, hey, hey, by the way, Tar- uh, ca- talking about good Cartoon Network shows. Yeah, this is this is like when there was podcast. more than just like three of them. Teen Titans Go. I said more than just like three. That is of course that, one of that, them. that is all three of them. There's only th- what other shows Cartoon Network air now besides Teen Titans Go? It's just like 24 hour blocks of that show. Heck uh-huh. yeah. Kind of reminds me of Nickelodeon, where like it used to be like block of like SpongeBob SquarePants as the only cartoon showing there. And funny enough, that's still what Nickelodeon is right now. It's just solid <laughs> blocks of SpongeBob SquarePants. Nothing has changed in twenty years. Turn on your television right now. Go to Cartoon Network. It's probably Teen Titans. It probably is. Um, so no, like uh, TV Guide. I remember like had like a small little blurb in it about like oh, starting November two thousand, whatever that Friday was. I'm looking up right now. No, I got uh, it. I got it. What day is it? What was the first? What uh, was November the premiere day? November seventh. Like, yes, that's what it was. So yes. like November seventh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars airs on Cartoon Network, and I remember I, I can still remember I cut it out and I got a magnet and I put it on the refrigerator. I was that excited for it. I can still remember the picture. It was the picture they used was the picture of the clone troopers in like the camp, not the camo, like in the uh, shawls, ponchos, and the mud. That was the picture they used. And I remember yeah. that the, I remember the little blurb said, oh, it's going to be 10 three-minute shorts. And at the time, again, I'm 10 years old. I, I'm sorry, at that point I was 11. I'm like, three-minute short? What? what, what? I, I honestly thought it was a typo. And so I was so excited. I turned it on 8 p.m. November 7th, that Friday, and it lasted three minutes. And I said, what kind of garbage is this? And I didn't watch it again until the, the, the second, not the second series, but like, 
uh, episode 11 started. I think in like what center? When, when the second part of the series start? That would have started on. According to what I'm seeing, it just ran continuously. That, that's that's not true. That's somebody screwed up that thing. That's it didn't it didn't air straight. They waited. Uh, according okay. to this, they waited a day. I don't believe that. November twenty okay. first, two thousand three, is when episode eleven aired. They didn't air them all the way straight. So there was a there was a break because they started again in the spring. That's I I'm okay. I, I am checking IMDb right now. March twenty sixth, two thousand four, is when the second uh, episodes eleven through twenty aired. It was in the spring of two thousand four. I know that because I remember where I was when we when we start talking about episode twenty and General Grievous. Um, I know where I was when that happened. That that is a story in and of itself. Trying to get the episode, me trying to see episode twenty as it happened. Um, no, just for anybody listening to this, Wikipedia is wrong. The episode dates are incorrect. Whoever put them there has no idea what they're doing, and it's just I guess just pick random days. Or it might have aired on on uh, hyperspace, or or like Mark was saying, it might it might have been there first. I don't think so. But until somebody tells me otherwise, I'm going to believe IMDb and what I actually experienced at the time. So anyway, though, so I watched it and I said, this, I said three minutes. This is nonsense. And I didn't pick it up again until uh, the following spring of 2004. And that was my experience with it. So I really didn't I didn't experience any of this in real time until the second batch of episodes aired. So I had really no experience of watching the first season live as it occurred. So with that being said, so we've now laid everything out. Let's delve into the Chapter one. Zenger, do you want to describe each of these for us? Yes, I will gladly. Go, Zenger, go. So, this series starts out in the most amazing way possible with Yoda riding some creature. I know Zach's probably going to point out what it actually is across a. Across a barren wasteland. He's on the back of it. And then he pulls out his lightsaber. And there's an army behind him. Face- oh man. It's just so cool. Because it's ridiculous. And I love it. Anyways. Episode 1 takes place four months after the Battle of Genosha. The Clone Wars are raging across the universe. Obi-Wan Kenobi is given the task of leading an assault on. Insert someone pronouncing the system correctly. Because I will. Mustelin. Mustelin. Mutalist. Yeah, what Zach said. While Anakin Skywalker gets command over the Space Forces, Anakin bids farewell to his secret wife, Senator Padme. So this is the whole build-up episode of of them all sitting there being like, here's what's going on. Also, um, we've got oh, Mace Windu out on Dantooine, which sets up for a later part. And also, if you watch in the opening thing where it's Yoda talking about what's going on, it kind of shows you what all the episodes are going to be about, because it shows all the Jedis that will be featured in the later part of the series, even. Yeah, it's a nice little yeah. breakdown of what's yeah. going to happen throughout the whole show. It's, yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot of tables setting in this first episode. And um, so, so also, we get our first look at the over-the-top caricatures of everybody. And um, how did you guys not realize he was Palpa? I mean, he was the evil Sith Lord. They drawed him. So- they drew um, him so ridiculously over the top. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't. I, I didn't really think anything weird. I, I, I've never, much like I've said before on on this show, is that like anything I love Star Wars. I have a hard time um, really dissecting it. But the only like again, they, they, I, I guess that's just the way. Uh, 
Jendi Tartakovsky really sits there and does that. Like everything's kind of like an extreme, or it's it's very oh god hyper realized. Everything that's one thing that's worth bringing up about this show too is it has a very signature design. Oh god, yes. Like it's funny, like, considering how popular this this was, and to this day it's held in like such high regard. Like I know there are prequel like despisers who worship the series. Like, like that's one thing that's worth. Like you really cannot overstate how beloved this show is or this series was, and still is to this day. And yet it's kind of amazing how it's been swept under the rug. Yep. Like I'm not sure if you guys know this though, but like in 2000, like I've read articles from like 2008 when the the movie was launching the the Clone Wars movie and the show where Lucasfilm told the license partners because like a lot of them were like asking like what well, like how how do you want like like how are we supposed to differentiate this from this thing that aired in the, in the early 2000s? And Lucasfilm told them to forget it, don't talk about it. And I've and I've heard stories. Again, I have no. From what I've read, again, I've actually taught. I've actually asked Pablo Hidalgo on Twitter about this. He claims Lucas had practically no involvement with this show whatsoever. Oh, bull crap! I, that's what he said. And from what I've read, I have to believe him on this. Like I know, I think years. Like when we first started this show, I think I mentioned the fact that I didn't believe that either. But I've heard that Lucas really, because how this show was pitched. I'm not sure how many people know this though. Was that back in like 2000, Hasbro created a line well it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't gonna come out for a few more years but hasbro created a line of toys called star wars the clone wars which was good it's it, it, not the the figures that were the targeting okay okay how do i how do I, I feel like i'm explaining darth maul at the end of solo again i'm trying to do this without sounding like i'm an insane person before attack of the clones he was even in theaters this is like 2000 this is like a year after the phantom menace hasbro like lucas was talking to hasbro like oh the next movie's called attack of the clones it's the beginning of the clone wars and hasbro designed a whole line of action figures based off this conflict and it was a, like a bunch of toys this is the, this is a live action version of the toys because there's two different sets of figures the live actions and the ones based off the 2003 series and so they had they developed all these toys again he had the saj they actually hasbro made up characters they made up a saj ventress they made up dirge they made up all of them that huh? do that yeah that's that's how this got started hasbro made up those characters and so the whole so they made up all these toys and they and they and Hasbro went to the licensing people at Lucasfilms like hey is there any way you could make like an like a, make something that would like tie into what we're doing with the toys and so the licensing people said okay and they kind of shopped the project around to a bunch of different um, animation studios one of them be Jendi Tartakovsky and he and he apparently said I'll do it because they're only, he they originally only wanted one minute shorts. He told them, I'll do it, but I want three minutes. And they signed off on it. And so the toys helped bring this show into realization. And then because the show looked so well, because the show was designed, like, was it created in like 2001, before Attack of the Clones was in theaters, before it was even finished. So a lot of the stuff that happens in this show, like, that's why the clones don't sound like Tamora Morrison and. I don't, right, the clones aren't voiced by Tamora Morrison or, or, or D. Badly or D. Bradley Baker. They're voiced no. by the same person, I think. The clone troopers are voiced by Andre Solizuzo. I think I, I butchered that poor man's name. Andre, if you're listening, please forgive me. Um, no, they were not voiced by D. Brad, Bradley Baker. Not, and they're not, and they're not obviously they're not Django Fett, Tamora Morrison voices. So that's that's another thing too is that you this show was really kind of. 
I don't want to say divorced from Attack of the Clones, but like it was just feeding off information. I guess they could. I've read that Lucas gave them permission to like look at anything from Attack of the Clones and obviously later Revenge of the Sith. But this show was produced the same time Attack of the Clones was. So you have this weird thing where they're kind of, what's the word? Not blindfolded, but they were kind of making this very much in the dark. Yes. So, but getting back to the show itself, that's the context, folks. The toys got the show made, and then the show got a new line of toys made, which were a Target exclusive. Those figures were great, by the way, and they should have made more of them. But that's a, that's a topic for another day. So anyway, though, back to episode one. Like Zenger described, this is a lot of table setting. We get all sorts of really, again, it's, it's oh man, it's great. I think that shot, I, think there's been more, I don't think there's been another shot of uh, Star Wars imagery that's gotten so much mileage out of it. Unlike the shot, I think I mentioned it earlier, of the clones in their ponchos and the mud shooting their rifles over the cliff edge. Oh man, it's just, you, you have, actually, there's so much going on in this. Even though, again, it's a lot of preview of what's to come. It's just, uh, it's Star Wars bliss. Mm-hmm. So Mark, what, what do you think? of? So I know you said you watch us do hyperspace, but are you as fond of this show as Zenger and I are? I remember when I, I watched it within the curiosity of spirit of me saying, "All oh, right, I like you know." So this is what's happening between episode two and three, because I knew three was gonna show when Anakin finally goes into the dark side. I knew that that was gonna happen, um, but I also kind of knew that you know at some point the Clone War, the the, the Clone Wars, uh, were gonna. And in episode three, so I was like, but what about what happens between those those years between? And I was curious to see the story like, um, unfold. These episodes unfold. So, um, you know, I, I, I uh, when I saw them, I was like, because there were only three episodes, like I wasn't because I'm sorry, because there were only like three minute episodes. I, I really wasn't like, you know, sort of really paying attention to everything, like, you know, as far as like. Now that I'm an adult, you know, I kind of pay attention to, like, character development and all that stuff. Um, I didn't really pay much attention back then. But when I think about it now, it's like, there really wasn't a whole, you know, didn't really go into in-depth with the characters like the, you know, like the uh, 2008 uh, Clone Wars series did. You didn't have an Ahsoka or any other figure like that. Although you did have Saj Ventress, you know, in the beginning, like, they show her, like, you know, really wanting to be a Sith, like, you know, she thinks she belongs to the Sith, but she knows she can't, uh, anyhow, because of the rule, the Sith rule of, you know, only two Sith at the time, so it's like... But I think that's one thing about this show, is this show is, like, not concerned, I don't want to say it's not concerned with continuity, but, like, it doesn't play into any of that, like, I don't want to say nonsense, but, okay, when I say nonsense, I mean it in the nicest way possible. The show's not concerned with that, it's just stylized action. Like, again, there's no die. Like, there's practically, like, like everybody knows when Zenger was picking his quote out for this episode. There was, like, abs- like, he's like, wow, there's not a lot of dialogue from this. And that's part of the brilliance of this show. When it comes to, like, storytelling, it's show, not tell. And I think that's one of the biggest complaints with the prequels was it's a lot of dialogue. They're very dialogue-heavy movies. And this is the exact opposite of that. I actually, um, I'm just having it play on my laptop in the background. And it's the... We're at the next episode where it's the ARC Troopers, which I know we'll get to. Oh, but yeah. I think there's like maybe like one or two lines of dialogue from them in that whole thing. But it's like hand motions. It's signaling. It's stuff that troops will be doing. It's not a ton of, 
let's talk about the fact that we're clones and we have emotions and stuff. No, it's they have a job to do and they're going to get it done. That's yeah, exactly. And, and there's again, I get it. The clone. It's, it's really weird the fact that like these shows are only three years away from each other. Like they, they feel like in storytelling terms, like eons apart. And it's and like again, a lot of this like in Jorge Lucas did bring a lot of the stuff over. Again, like he brought Asajj over. Obi Wan having wearing clone trooper armor. There, there's a lot of elements of this that Lucas borrowed from. I know when I was doing research for this episode, Lucas would refer to this show as the pilot series. That's how that's how he referred to it because like I found like articles from like Celebration 2005 where he's like, oh, like I'm working on my own Clone War series after the six after the the, res- the positive response to the pilot series. And it wasn't until years later people finally figured out that's what he meant by pilot series was was this. Um, that's kind of how I, I I guess you can surmise that Lucas kind of used this as kind of like a, a, a test to see how a Star Wars TV show would respond to audiences. As we all know, Lucas does love having a di- loves having dialogue in this this show wasn't concerned with that. It wanted to tell a story and it told it in the most lean economical way possible. Like Zenger mentioned, um, you can find this all on YouTube for free and, and in eight. If you don't have the DVDs, I know the DVDs sometimes go for a lot of money. I don't have used to. Well, of course you do. And and but the thing now is that you, they're all on YouTube in HD. So if you're listening to this and you want to, uh, and you've never heard of this before, or you want to refresh your memory, uh, oh dear Lord, please go watch them. Yes, please do. They're in better quality than you've ever than you probably remember. I actually watch while you're listening to this episode. I know I have it on you, the you can too. You, you you don't have to even keep the volume on because most of them are just sound effects and stuff. Exactly. Like, yeah. So, so one thing I want to ask Zenger though is that like Zenger mentioned, like in the beginning, like, we get all these different shots of like things that will happen during the series. Like you get Kit Fisto underwater, you get Mace Windu on Dantooine. That shot of the clone troopers on like on the ponchos on the mountainside. I wondered, do you think that was just thrown in there for just like imagery, or could there actually be like a lost chapter of this? Or they're referring to the battle that Kenobi and Anakin are in way later in part two. Part two was ordered after the success of part one. They had they did not have part two in mind while they were making the again the first the first series the first twenty was produced like in two thousand. The second just wasn't, saying because like that 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 is what that's happening then is mm, when no we... the armor's different armor's different ah ah. Whatever. Stop trying to explain. I don't try to. This show is flawless. To... No, I, it's not that. It's, I'm not saying that it has to do with that. I'm thinking, could there be more? Like we know, like there's all this sort of stuff that's left on the cutting room floor. Think of all the stuff that Lucasfilm has that, like, that's just sitting there waiting to be just saved for a rainy day, and they need more money. There's probably, there's probably, I would imagine, at least a whole nother subplot that we don't even know about this show like don't get me wrong i'm putting on my uh tinfoil I'm, I'm borrowing the tinfoil hat from zanger which has i gotta admit zanger you didn't put on your tinfoil hat recently it has a lot of cobwebs on it it does i haven't i mean i've been putting it on for other shows but this one i don't got anything right now no ever since I, the last I mean, Jedi, I could. you retired it i could have stuff but i'll save it for another day so i'm taking it. i'm giving it i'm warming it up for you and uh, so I, wouldn't that be interesting if there don't was don't put it in the microwave no, do not put it in the microwave. That is a bad idea. So, but like, there's not a lot of stuff on this show. Like, if there's no, like, this would be a great, great thing to do, like, a retrospective, like, like, a, like I don't know if, like, like, for these, like, YouTube accounts that love going back and looking at stuff, though. But there's just not a lot of information 
outside of like what was put on the DVDs, which was minimal. And I think there was a commentary, and that's pretty much it. There's not a lot of background information on this show. Dang, I should have watched the DVDs with commentary. Yeah, I know. I know there's a commentary until today. You know, oh, probably. Oh, man. After, after, I, pr- after I probably course, have watched it at some point, by the way. It's just, I mean, these things are 15 years old, so. Well, yeah, and plus, again, nobody talks about it. Again, considering. I like, talk about it. I know. No well, again, the guy, no, people who talk, again, this is, I think, uh, this goes without saying, I think Zenger will mirror my sentiment here, though. I honestly feel this is the greatest piece of Star Wars media ever created. Like, I know I talk yep. about The Last Jedi being my favorite Star Wars film, but, like, this is, like, legit. Of all Star Wars media, books, movies, TV shows, um, comic books, toys, um, me in the backyard playing with my figures, this is the, the pinnacle of it all. No, it, it is, and it's this forgotten thing now. As it continues to age out and it be, continues to be an ignored thing in the franchise, it will continue to be this this hidden gem that only a few will speak of in hushed whispers. Yeah, and I, I scream loudly at everyone who I see. Actually, on a behind-the-scenes thing, our episode when we did our Star Wars thing on Zygnus, where we did non-canon stuff, I was told I was limited to a, to a certain amount of time when we discussed it. We'll see, folks. I know Zenner doesn't because, like it. Because... Uh, Ellie knew that I would go on forever about the series. Okay, I know Zenger doesn't like it when I phrase it this way, but I call Knights of Vader his side podcast, where okay. the podcast doesn't let the the, the main show. We're kind of like the mistress to Zeng this. We let Zenger do the things that uh the main that, that, that are not uh what's the word? I'm not confined by my limitations on my own show. Yeah. See, this is the show that lets him do things. So he can rant about Star Wars like we're giving him three episodes. Roughly yeah. four and a half hours to talk about this show. In a fourth episode, we're just minutes. be screaming at Lucas about how stupid it is. This is in canon. You know what the sad thing is? Like, I remember back during the like infamous like 2013 um, EU Legends purge. Everyone's like, rah, 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 rah. Lucas discounted this in 2008. That's the worst part. I was there. I was there when it happened. You're in Lucas sitting. I was sitting in a freaking conference room. I was sitting there for the Clone Wars thing when they were talking about the new one. And somebody asked the question I wanted to ask, but I didn't get in line because it was a long-ass line. I was on the other side of the auditorium, and it was terrible. But someone asked my question, so I got all excited because they were like, does the original, does the Taranovsky one still, is it canon? And somebody ran up on stage, whispered something to them, ran off stage, leans into the mic and says, uh, no, those are no longer canon. To, I am not joking, thousands of voices cried out in terror. It was a panel for the newest season. Oh, I thought it was the announcement. Or no. Like, or like it was like their See, now you got me all confused. And I was like, what the heck? I, you're now, like, oh, I thought you said like, they were showing footage from it. And that was like one of the first questions. No, they were, like, showing footage from the new, they were showing footage from the new season where it showed Delta Force was canon again. You mean uh, Delta Squad? Delta Squad, yeah. God dang, I'm having a stroke. <laughs> it's worth noting that in this show, anything that was really exclusive to this show really did, like, or like the Republic Commandos got saved. Like yeah. Star Wars: The Clone Wars is kind of like this weird bridge, but it was kind of like the Noah's Ark of the EU and Legends, where like a few things were able to get like get onto the boat before it left, and the the flood just killed the EU. Disney being the flood in this case. Um, to this day, I still don't agree with the idea of wiping the EU clean. I, I have a problem with that. I think that's creative. It's like, we want to have our storytellers have the freedom to tell the stories they want. And I'm like, no, it's called creative laziness. It's called you figure out how to make it work. 
It's like no one's gonna care if you overwrite Cade or what was it Cade Skywalker. Just make it work. It's like it's but no, I, I don't. I, ne- I never agreed with the EU cleanse. But anyway, though, and so uh, the Clone Wars 2008 was this weird sort of like like thing that saved again. Like Delta Squad got saved. Darth Bane got saved. Um, there's a couple of things here and there that got saved in, in different corners, though. But really, nothing that was like exclusive to this show. Like Dirt. Dirt. Oh, oh, um. What's her name got saved? Well, Ventress, no, no, Lucas right. liked Ventress, and he pointed her over. That's not saved. I'm talking about, like, like, like and we never got Captain Fordo. Like, you know, his name isn't said in any of this. His designation did become Captain Fordo, the, the ARC trooper that wears the red armor. And he never got saved, despite the fact he's probably one of the most interesting. Cody was introduced in this. Yeah, Commander Cody. Cody. Was introduced, yeah, Commander Cody. No, like I said, like, uh, the lack of, we don't want to get too much into the other parts of the Grievous. Stuff. Technically, it was an. We'll 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 get into that. That's that's its own discussion. A lot more me yelling and maybe not having a freaking brain aneurysm. You'll you'll recover next time we discuss all this. Apparently, maybe I should have my information on hand next time because God, to clarify, I was at Celebration Five from August twelfth to the fifteenth in two thousand ten. Is when all that went down. Okay, is why they said nope, not canon anymore. That's heartbreaking. And it and and here's the thing. This takes place in the first four months of the war and the last few months of the war. You couldn't just slide what existed in um the newer the Clone Wars into that slot, even though as we found out there was supposed to be something leading directly up and any we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. I'll scream about it later. Well, I because I've 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 got very, very hard line arguments about this. I did read, I read stuff, again, like I said, it's, it's the internet, who knows. I did read stuff saying that Lucas Lucas was very, because again, they could, could have made this into the show. Like, think about it, there's, there's no reason why this had to end in 2005. And I read things saying that Lucas was very jealous of how this turned out. Like, he was kind of like, again, when they kind of did this, he figured, oh, it was going to be again, it was going to be something, again, not fluff, but it's like, okay, th- just something, it would make money. And then when he saw how it turned out, he was uh, very envious of how it. And yeah, he did borrow from it. Like you watch the 2008 show, and a lot again. Think about it, we got the the Mon, Cala, uh, Mon Calamari versus the Corn fight in season what three? And season that four? is one of the episodes where it has Kid Fist on it in this. Yeah, that, that's what he I mean. Fights like, a we, giant ridiculous laser beam. That's what I mean. Like there was again. Think about it, Asajj Ventress got ported over. Um, you, you did have a lot of things in this that were bar- borrowed from it. But again, certain elements were just completely again. Look at the. I read another article today talking about like how you look at the, how the clone troopers are portrayed in this versus the 2008 series. And, I, and both of you already kind of mentioned this though. But the clone troopers in the 2008 series, like we have feelings too. We're not just mindless droids. And then like you watch this, the 2003 series, and they're just like, even though they're human. They're the most robotic creatures. Just how they move their actions, how they behave. They're extremely militaristic. And they are. They are a, a well-tuned machine. They're not like, like I don't want to say bumbling idiots, but they're not They're not kooky. They're not just like, oh, look. Like, I, I, again, I'm a real person, too. It's it, That's completely gone. They are just, I don't want to say they're drones, but they are just like, like a they're fine you're what, their job. You're what you think a cloned army would be is this elite. I mean, also the other ones we are seeing here are the elite, like our troopers, which are the best of the best. And like I said, they don't even communicate with like 
words. They have hand motions and stuff. And it's great because I, I love like the you can tell exactly what they're doing with all of the hand motions. I wondered about that though, the the lack of a uh, talking amongst the clones. You ever think maybe the reason why we have that is because they didn't know at the time when they were producing this, like in like 2000, 2001, maybe they got a mandate from Lucasfilm saying like, we don't know what the voices are going to sound like. Yeah. And that's why maybe like, it's not, not a stylistic choice. It was a, either a requirement. Well, well think of how much, um, stormtroopers talk within the movies. Yeah, but that's, I think that's because stormtrooper. again, think about it, the, the galactic civil war was never called the stormtrooper war. It's called the the series is called Clone Wars. the The previous film was Attack of the Clones, and even Attack of the Flo- the Clones, they talk a decent amount. I would be willing to bet there's more dialogue in Attack of the Clones from Clone Troopers than there is in this entire series of twenty five episodes. Well, I'd say in the first half of the series, definitely. The second half, that, they talk a little bit. Yeah, they're a little, a little bit, bit more talky. Well, that's because they also had it was more fleshed. Again, the second, the, the the final five episodes were made like in two thousand three, two thousand four. They they didn't start working on it until two thousand four. So like there was there was time for that. And it's worth noting too that they used a lot more like in the original twenty episodes. They used very little computers. It was all traditional animation. Whereas for the last five, they used a lot more. It was much more computer based, which is much quicker. You know, again, you can't do you can't do hand drawn animation and have it ready within like thirteen months. That's like practically impossible. You can't start something and be ready that quick with a traditional cell hand drawn animation. So, getting back, so Zenger, what happens in episode two of Clone Wars? Episode two is kind of I'm going to just put it as a two parter to be honest, because two and three kind of bleed into each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obi Wan's arc troopers are shot down over the capital. Um, they assault the intergalactic banking clan begins. Uh, basically, Kenobi flies in with a ton of his ton of dropships with the main assault force. He sends the ARC troopers off to basically infiltrate the city. They get shot down and they basically this, this is these two episodes have almost no speaking for the clones almost the entire time because it's all I said hand motions and their actions are very played out to show you what they're doing and everything. They get pinned down by enemy fire, by enemy fire, and they basically take a take their target and take it out. And they are shown to be a very, very, very well oiled machine of a set of troops, which will of course come in later. Like Zenger has said, like we've watched this countless times, and as I'm even rewatching it today, it was like watching the shot. Like, you know, like Zenger described, they cut their uh, Obi Wan. That's one thing too. Is like it is. Okay, like today people would be like, if this, I was trying to think about too. If this was released today, I feel the fan base would attack this because, like, like that one part where Zenger said, like, where they, they show up on Munalist, all the capital ships, and the gunships just like pour out of the out of the capital ships, and there's just like it's like a stream of them. Yeah, and I would imagine out of several today, ships. Yeah, and I would imagine today if that happened, there'd be like there'd be there'd be people on Twitter like you couldn't fit that many a. a Again, I don't know the exact. But that's class the thing. That this is a stylized, over-the-top version of Star Wars. I think, but at the same time, like we talk about why this show isn't remembered. I think the people that are again the the current young generation of Star Wars fans, people like age sixteen to like thirty, who who, who were just were not aware of this at the time. I think if they experience this now, it'd be it, they'd find it. What's the word like? 
too jarring because again, it, again, you know, everybody's so obsessed with what's canon these days. They'd be like, well, uh, actually, actually, these capital ships only hold the capacity of, of of seven Republic gunships. So to have that many pouring out, there's only eight capital ships, and to have more than thirty two, um, that wouldn't be allowed. And I feel like that. Shut your happen. dang mouth! This is amazing. I think the fan base. <laughs> Cannot appreciate on top of the many things. Like, again, I think we another not to bring this back to the last Jedi, but I think this is a fan oh, base that man, can't appreciate on. stylized Star Wars. They are too concerned with the minutia uh, that they like getting into the weeds, even if it's the detriment to enjoying it. It's kind of like having like like a a box of Dunkin' Donuts Munchkins, and you only get twenty four in the box instead of twenty five. They can be the most delicious. Grumpulous munchkins you've ever had in your life. But the fact that there's one missing will just drive them nuts to the point where they'll, they'll go into this place and say, I want my money back. It's like, and I think, that, again, I, I think that's a re- on, on top of many reasons. I think this is one reason why the show does not resonate with new people getting into it or even with people that were, in, were into Star Wars during the prequel era and just kind of didn't notice this is that this is a show that's very much different from anything else. In the, I think its greatest strength is its ultimate detriment in this how different it is. Arc troopers deployed. Yes, sir. Sorry, I'm just enthralled by watching it right now. <laughs> yeah, you, you make a good point. Uh, I do think this has a niche following this uh, 2003 series, but it's good though. If you're into watching a lot of action and stuff, this is a series for you. If you're into the action aspect more, so if you're into more of the in-depth stuff, in you know, getting into characters, emotions, and motivations, and the 2008 one is there as well. Uh, you know, because I wasn't in, into Clone Wars, um, the 2008 Are you telling me that this series does not have emotion? I am sitting here looking at the end of the episode where these art troopers have completed their mission. They're standing stoically on top of a building. <laughs> I can tell their emotion is victory. They don't need to sit there and talk about their feelings to each other. They are victorious in their mission by their stance and by their demeanor. Are they now, though? I Heck yeah! Anymore. I can't oh, transition to another episode. Confess <laughs> though. Uh, no, we'll get to that in a moment though. But I you know I think Mark's right though. I think you do you do have that element that's missing with this. Where even though the 2008 series is very good, it, there's a lot of hand holding there. And like I said, I think this is a, again this is the Samurai Jack guy. So you are doing something that's a little bit more highbrow than your your common fare. Like much like how a lot of what like goes on, like think about it, like all mass consumed entertainment is like a quarter pounder, and if if Attack of the Clones is a quarter pounder, this is kind of like the artisan select McDonald's hamburger. It's like it's still mass cons- designed for mass consumption, but it's a little bit more refined. And relatively, it's hugely more refined, but. But getting back to what Zanger, getting back to the actual episode itself, one moment I actually love in the 
uh, the episodes two and three that are connected, like Sanger said, they're part of the same storyline. Is that as they as the Ark Troopers clone uh, gunship is going through the city? It's all like I don't want to say it's abandoned, but like there's like nothing else going on. It's just it's an abandoned city because and, they're the battles focused on another part of the city, so most of the troops will probably move there. Well, anyway, well, well that too. I, I will defend every everything in this show, by the way. So like get ready, Zinger's strap the, in. I think it's funny that Zenger's being defensive on a panel filled with people that like the show. Like, I love the show. And you're you're and, not and liking it enough. <laughs> That's what I mean, though. Like, I, I feel like I, I, I'm in a weird way. I'm on the offense against on something I like. I, w- I was going to say earlier that, um, you know, how you bring up the point about how some people got a little uh, triggered when in the 2008 series, they didn't carry over some stuff from the 2003 series, canon-wise. For me, because... I wasn't so attached to the 2003 series. I didn't see the 2008 series right away when it was coming out. Not to like years later. I didn't, I wasn't upset, you know, that they were not following what the 2003 series was doing. You know, I was just going along with the ride. Yeah, I was one of those people that did not watch Clone Wars till like 2014 or something when I did like a, I, I did a full binge watch of that. Oh, wow. That was a fun time. But I, I enjoyed that binge watch. Yeah, I don't know why I did not see this series as it was coming out. Well, uh, part of it was because I didn't have cable. I didn't have Cartoon Network. The other part was, because it was a cartoon, I kind of sort of dismissed it as something that, you know, silly and trivial. But then, you know, as I started getting back into fandom, I started seeing a lot of people talking about the Clone Wars series, talking about Ahsoka and this and that. I'm like, all right, I'll give this a try. Gave it a shot. And I enjoyed it, the, the 2008 series. So hence why I have more attachment to the 2008 series than the 2003 series. You know, I really took time to delve, delve into that one more so than the 2003 series. Well, you're wrong. So going back to the, so going back to the Mutalist. So like we were watching this during like the 2008 show. Like I said, the city's abandoned. If this was the 2008 show, we'd have a bunch of just random crap in the background. There'd be some woman with her baby. Like it'd be like a baby Greedo. Or like a baby Rodian, and be like, "Oh my bad!" Like, they'd be like, like, they wouldn't just like think about it. when the gunship gets shot down, it crashes. It just crashes into like the ground, like into like concrete. If this was the 2008 series, there'd be a bunch of civilians right there. They would just be like, they'd be like, "Oh!" Like it would go crash into like a marketplace, like a fruit cart would like blow up into the air, and like again, it would just be so. Uh, I don't want to say contrived, but just like it'd be generic crash. And with this, though, it's great. The ship, you have this droid running up steps going. It's this great sound of this, like, metal, like, tapping on, like, tiles. And the droid goes up and shoots the the gunship down. And as the gunship is, like, falling out of the sky, 
you have like you got the the, tr- the troopers in the back are just st- again, like Zenger said, they're not freaking out. There's no-, oh, no, no, no. The best thing is it cuts to them inside the ship before it's shot. All of them standing there stoically, just you know, ready for the mission. Ship gets shot, is currently falling out of the sky, crashing. Cuts back to the inside, sitting there stoically, ready for the mission. <laughs> Oh, it's great. Yeah, that's and exactly, and that's what it is. The ship gets shot out of the sky, goes crash. It's in the process of being crashing. And the, be- and the thing I love too is that you have the clone pilot behind the controls, and his dashboard is just lighting up all these different things, and it's reflected in his in his helmet. And he's just again, everybody's calm. They're they're cloned to be like the best, of the best, and to be like probably desensitized to a lot of this stuff. They don't panic. Yeah, like I think trained for all this. That's what I mean. It's like it's or it's, bred technically for all this. Well, I'll say, but if you're breeding a human being and you can sit there like modify their like aging cycle, I would imagine there's probably a way to like reduce like the fear and adrenaline in well, their also, in their bodies. Don't forget these these ones are like the super elites too. Well, like, yeah, they're well, like the arc whatever. Well, yeah, the ARC Troop. Again, Advanced Recon Commando, I think, was the, the acronym at the time. The I was about to say, whatever that stands for. And... I think that's what this is, though, is that it's a much... Again, I, I've always... How I explain this series, like, well, I'm, like, much like Zenger, I'm evangelizing about this show. I kind <laughs> of explained to people, I saw apparently somebody else was doing this on Reddit, like, years ago. Other people were like, oh, treat this... They, they were saying it the other way around. They were claiming the 2008 show was like... Clone Wars propaganda, and this was the real life thing. Like, I think you could very easily reincorporate this back into the canon by explaining this. Like, wouldn't this be like interesting? That like maybe during the actual like Clone Wars, that like some I don't know producer created this show as like propaganda within the Star Wars universe. Like that'd be a great way. Even though it wouldn't, the events wouldn't be canon. They'd be like a hyper realized version of what happened during the events of the show i could be great so you incorporate though but the storylines it's are itself are not canon well does that make any sense yeah it does but here's the other thing too it's the kind of show without it's show without it's showing that these characters are elite troopers that they can handle pressure that they are the best of the best because their ship's going down because their ship's crashing and all they're doing is just sitting there like, it's showing that instead of having to be, like, them sitting there looking at each other going, don't forget, we're the best of the best. We're the best troopers this, you know, Kenobi has. Instead, it's sh- it's showing that even in those situations, like, the ship crashes, what's the first thing they do? Get out, signal, you know, let's get moving. We, we have a mission to do. And and then when they're getting shot at, they two troops, like, he signals to just two troops go out there and, you know, draw fire so we can, you know, Attack them, flank them, and attack them. Those troops just jump out there. I, I'm ragging on the 2008 series, but understand I still like it. But I feel these are two different entities of each other. Um, in the in the 2008 one, if they had been like, hey, you need to get out there, there would have been a whole, you know, why do I have to get out there, sir? You know, it's like, no, they're troopers. They, they are doing their job. They're the best of the best, and they're showing it by doing it. And they're doing it the most efficient way possible, which you Heck don't- yeah. Which, again, you don't... I, I guess that's another thing about this show, is that even when you watch, like... This goes beyond Ship Star Wars. crash. Ship's crashed. We cannot use it anymore. Continue on the mission. I, I think even going beyond Star Wars, you don't... Like, even, like, you watch any sort of, like, uh, dramatization, 
or fiction thing about like special for like, like even like American military special forces. It's it's much more in line with like what the Clone Wars did. Like again, like think about the Clone Wars two thousand eight movie where they're they're like landing before they start going like they start going up the cliff. I forget the exact line of dialogue. It's like we're the pilot like turns to Anakin's like. Shields, Lieutenant, get us under those guns. Yes, sir. Here we go. Rich, your comms got static. Got it. Red light, stand by. It's like, oh my god, everything has to be explained through dialogue. And I guess that's, again, I guess that's what happens in real life. Like, if the military, again, if they're, if they're doing helicopters into some sort of conflict, there would be that uh, verbal communication. Where this is again a, even a, a super hyper realized version of just that sort of special forces military engagement. Because think about it, if that did happen in real life, if a transport vehicle was shot down, it would be there would be a verbal component to it. It wouldn't just be exclusively hand gestures. And I think this show even I think that's another reason why this show resonates so well. It's that it's even a hyper realized version of special forces in general beyond Star Wars. So yeah, so you have that. The, the clone troopers, um, their thing gets shot down, which I think we've said now about 40 times. They go to the base of this tower. They blow up as the a cannon. Gi- they blow up the giant uh, cannon at the base of the tower. They rappel to the top of the tower. And like Zenger already stated, they stand there very stoically as the music swells. And we cut to the fourth chapter, which is... The Mon Calamari, Kid Fisto, and his su- scuba troopers uh, defend the Calamari. Kalmari Council against the Corn Army and the droids that they are in league with. Troubled is the planet Mon Calamari. Its races have divided. The droid army of the Corn Isolation League moves against the Kalamari Council. Alone, the Kalamari are no match. Intervene we must. Master Fisto, in these matters, trust your insight we do. May the Force be with you. And, of course, you have, like I said, this giant laser that comes up. And also, this is the first time, I might add, if I am correct with this, this is the first time that we are shown a lightsaber working underwater, and I like the effect of it's constantly having bubbles around it, because that would be what would happen. And on top of it, it's the first time I think we're shown that the Star Destroyers are also, or the the Republic ships are also um, aquatic in the sense of they can sit on water. They're buoyant. So they're buoyant. Yeah, and it, I think outside of the um, the opening narration by Yoda, there is no dialogue in this whatsoever. Nope. Like I said, even the scuba troopers, oh, they're so. Like, I don't even think like even in this though, like, like there's no interaction amongst the clones. They have a little like uh, I don't want to call it a jetpack. But kind of like their, I guess, thruster pack. I guess that'd be the correct term. It's a thruster. Sure. Let's and go they with have that. A, and they have like, oh, God, little flippers on. And, oh, it's great. It's so great. Like, it's it's just that, again, because you also, this is probably one of the more campy segments. Because at one point, the, the Mon Calamari show up with, like, their fish creatures. And they attack. And even the music. Like, the music's so much fun, too. Like, all the little, like, the little musical cues that happen with all these things. Because, again, a lot of... I know Star Wars is known for its music, though. But like this series is so much more dependent on the music for setting the tone because there is that lack of dialogue. 
And this is one of those segments, chapters, that really does lean on the music more than probably any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. giant gun that shoots laser beams out of the water so and plus i think it's worth knowing too i love the clone trooper in this show in general i love the clone trooper designs oh Absolutely. yeah i love how the clone troopers just look like i i you know I've, I've always been partial to phase one clone trooper armor oh it just looks so great in this i, I just love the the aesthetic of it all it scratches that itch yo it scratches it perfectly it's kind of like the episode this is kind of like uh, the episode rick and morty where um Morty takes out like the leveler with a little bubble inside, and Rick's like, "Geez, Morty, what do you? What are we cavemen?" And he sits and he gets like, he gets, "What's he? What's he do, Zanger?" He gets like the thing in the middle of the garage, and it's like, "Well, he, he like does it perfectly leveled, like astronomically yeah, yeah. leveled." You want to experience true level? Do you? <sighs> yes. All right, come on. <sighs> wow, it's so. Oh, 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 oh my God. Oh, Christ! Uh, yeah. Oh, True level, oh, bitch. Oh, Morty, come on, we're leaving for school. Oh, 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 everything's crooked! Reality is poison! I, I want to go back! I hate this! What's his deal? Morty, Morty, Morty! Go to school, Summer. I'll go in Morty's memory and do a little... Lambs to the cosmic slaughter! And that's what I feel this show is. It's like And then walking... he can't stand, like, being, like, everything's out, out of place after he gets off of there. <laughs> everything's unleveled. The world is awful. And yeah. I feel like that's what this show is. Like, people walk into this show and they're like, oh, great, a Star Wars cartoon, whatever. And you watch this and you're like, oh, man, I can never go back to seeing the world as it once was after this. That's just how perfect this is. Anything else you want to talk about? Okay, Mark, Mark, I think Mark's uh, going into sleep mode right now. No, I'm uh, here. Mark, anything you want to add to the Kit Fisto chapter of this? The, the, the Kit Fisto chapter? Um, yeah, underwater. Under the sea. No. Didn't like that episode. Hungry for seafood. I'm good. <laughs> so I really want some calamari during this yeah. I wonder if Admiral Raddus is in this scene. Yes, I'm assuming he is. Or uh, I'm assuming uh, he's, he, he's the one that looks shocked and it's like, oh... Well, I think it's really can think about too. Even when we had the episode of uh, the Clone Wars, or that I guess that uh, story arc that was on Mon Calamari, it was like again we have Admiral Akbar. It's like you have him there though. With this, there's no Akbar. Like outside the fact that this features Anakin, uh, Yoda, Obi Wan, Palpatine, Dooku, there's really not much that ties it to Star Wars. Like not like think about it. you watch the 2008 series and everything's connected to everything. It's like, oh, look, there's the Hutt clan. Oh, look, there's Admiral Akbar. Oh, look, there's this, the, the Senate. Oh, look, there's the Gungans. And there's, like, I think also, there's no Jar Jar in this. There's no, I think about this, very little. No, there like, is, yeah, he is in it, I think, like, once for a very brief moment. Is he? I think he is. I, I don't think there's one, one Jar Jar. All right, so Zinger's on a mission now. I don't. <laughs> 
come, we'll come back to it next episode. We'll see if we answer that question. So, no, like I said, I think because it's worth noting this was produced before Attack of the Clones. And, like, even though we talk about, like, the prequels were never, were never despised, Jar Jar was never a universally beloved character. Like, I would imagine like, when these guys got notes, they were told, no Jar Jar, or, or they probably didn't have to be told that either. Again, there might be a Gungan in, like, Chapter 21, like, when he's on Coruscant. There might be a Gungan, but I don't think so. Because there's nothing on here that even takes place on the boo, is there? I'm currently searching for stuff on an unrelated. Okay. I, I'm I'm totally not doing what you're gonna claim I'm doing. All right. Um, okay. Well, Zenger is currently uh, not doing what I told him to not do. I'm going to introduce uh, Chapter Five. Chapter Five is we are back on Munilist. We have the the I don't, I don't know how to pronounce these the the, the, the crafts from Attack of the Clones. There, I used to call them the Sfa Dash T's. The SPHA-T, they're basically the, um, the artillery on Attack of the Clones. They're firing. They uh, start hitting the, the Separatist command on Munilist, where the banking clan is. And they start for the, the different, I don't know the species, excuse me. And I think they're called the Mun, the Muns, M-U-U-Ns. And they're freaking out. They're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Those guns are destroying our forward positions. The Republic is breaking through! Sir, our cannon at the base of the tower has been destroyed! Their range is greater than we thought! It must be their artillery! What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know why Dooku sent you here if all you're going to do is stand around. I mean... Whenever you're ready. Dirge then gets on a bunch of gets a gets on a speeder bike with a bunch of robots that look like IG88, and they start with their lancers going after the Svatis that are attacking the Munilist cityscape, and they're using their lancers and they're kind of just like lightly grazing them, which causes them to explode, which is a really cool. Like, even though it's kind of like cliche like you watch something it's like oh something like like when somebody shoots at a car and the car just explodes for some reason even though that's 112 percent not practical it's so much fun just watching something in star wars be delicate i think that's another thing people in star wars don't really appreciate the fact that these are all like machines they're not meant to be oh god like 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 panzer tanks they can't just keep taking punch after punch after punch they are machines they can be destroyed easily and that segment goes on for what? At least two chapters, Zenger? Uh, yes. That's chapters five and six. Well, there's, uh, well, the also oh, you no, have five. No... I'm sorry, five. Yeah. That's only chapter five, excuse me. Well, it because picks up. six and seven are Asajj Ventures. It picks up, though, later, where you yeah, have that's, four. Yeah, it's only, it's, only, it's only chapter five, because chapters six and seven are Asajj Ventures. Okay, what do we want to talk about the Dirge, the Dirge Munilist fight? Oh, wait, we're, we're on that now? Maybe if you weren't too busy not doing something, you were told not to I do. can't find it. I thought he was... I thought he was in, like, at least, like, a background or something at one point, but I'm not seeing it. Told you. I'll, I'll find it later, though. I swear he's in it. I don't think he speaks. I just think you see him at one point. Sure. So, Dirge is great, and I, I really like him, and I feel like he's somebody that they could have used, but of course, why do that? That would make sense. So, I, I just, I feel bad that, that he never got used, because he was used a lot in the comics, too. 
He was this thing that just like he quote unquote dies later and he comes back again in the comics and still like beats the living heck out of Obi-Wan. Sorry, yeah, Dirge was meant to be a character. Like, I know there are stories about how for the 2008 series, he was on the verge of being, uh, they said that he was originally going to be Cad Bane at the yeah. end of season one. They, they want, that, he was good. And, and Lucas changed the character. <sighs> See, I don't want to say this. Cause I don't want to sound like this person, but I mean, sorry, if you have that or Cad, Bane, like Cad Bane's interesting, but Dirge, I think would have been better. Cause he's just this basically unstoppable mortal being that can just basically. But yeah. at the same time, though, that kind of like translates into the things that Lucas did not like about the EU. Like, think about it. Lucas did not like the uh, Salamari from the Thrawn trilogy. He did not like the fact that they're like being like anti-force creatures. Eh, that's yeah. okay. That can that that, that 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 can stay out of. But like, but again, I think the whole idea of having like a creature who's like organic, it can like regenerate. I don't think that's something Lucas would go for. And I think that's why they... Because, again, how do you... Inter- think of, that's the main thing Dirge is known for. So how do you bring him into the Clone Wars, the 2008 series, and and do that without having that main character trait? Because without that, it's just a guy with like a really gruff voice. Good question. And I think that's what... Like, Lucas probably sat there and looked at that and figured, I don't want that character. I think, okay, let's put, put your Dave Filoni cowboy hat on. And Jorge comes to you, and you're like, oh, we're going to do Dirge for the end of season one. And Lucas is like, well, you see, you see, Dave, I really, I, I really don't like Dirge because he, he's an inorganic creature that can regenerate life. And I'm not a big fan of, of indestructible creatures. So how about we do a new character? And I think that's I think that's what would have happened. They probably again think about it, we got we got Delta Squad like we got all these things sprinkled into the 2008 series, and yet certain things were just left on the cutting room floor, or, or just left out because I would imagine Lucas either did not like them, or Lucas felt that they were just weren't part of his quote unquote vision for Star Wars. True. So okay, so anything else you want to talk about the Dirge thing, or we get back to him when he fights Obi Wan. We'll get back to him when he fights Obi-Wan. All right, so uh, Zenger, what are the next two chapters? The next two chapters, uh, they are, of course, surrounding Count Dooku going to a... I really should have had you read this, because I can never pronounce half of these planets, because they're never voiced. Anyways, he witnesses a gladiator fight, and it is revealed that there is a Sith assassin, quote-unquote, there, who turns out to be Asajj Ventress. Impressive. You mask your presence well. Flawless timing, perfect control. You have great skill of infiltration. My host would applaud your abilities posthumously. However, I am not looking for a spy. And she goes basically in and messes up basically everybody in this with just basically the force at first and then reveals later that she does actually have two lightsabers that she got from some dead Jedi, I take it. When Zegner says messed up, he means murder. Oh, just straight up murder fest. Like, they don't stand a chance. Well, that's one thing, again, I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, I hope we get to see this in live action. 
like I'd love to see like when you have like this coliseum. Okay, I don't even want to call it a coliseum. It's just kind of like like a hole in the middle of a room somewhere. It's a pit. It's a pit. And it's a circular pit of death. Yeah, and you have like all dun, these like, dun, dun, dun. and then you have like all these like like windows. Like imagine almost like a like Taken, where you have like all these windows like peering into like all these glass windows peering into like it doesn't even look like it's a pit. It's like a cave almost, like, like a giant opening in a cave. And you have like all these different like Star Warsy creatures. Like imagine the a gladiatorial arena mixed with the ca- with the cantina, the most high yeah. cantina. That's essentially what it is. You have like, all Perfect. these weird you have all these weird creatures. You have robots. You have like there's a Gamorrean guard thrown in there. You have like 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 uh, Cyclops. There's like a character with like like hairy armpits and like a Cyclops. Hey, remember Gamorrean guard? Yeah, I remember. Like that but, is this. Well, there's also a character that looks like the Rancor Keeper. Yep. They're all and, here. Yeah, I mean, like, it's just... You have, like, this weird, like, gator creature where he has, like, these really cool, like, swords. It's it's so... Like, it's great. Like, I'd love to see this, like, like an incarnation of this in live action where you see, like, a gladiatorial arena of all these different species. I kind of like something I, I wish they did in Thor Ragnarok. Where, like, you see all yeah. these different creatures. And, like, you know you don't see them fight because all you get is the Thor-Hulk fight. But like you'd love to sit there and see all these different like just species of creatures just coming at each other, and even though like like Zenger said, the uh, Asajj Ventures just goes completely just bananas on. Damn, yeah. But like, oh, I, cause that'd be so much fun. Because even at one point too, where she's fighting one of the creatures that has like a giant like its weapon is like a giant boulder with a chain on it, and it just swings it around like legit. That takes out a wampa. Is that what it takes out? It looks like a wampa to me. Okay, I got away from that. So you have you have that, and at one point, like it's swinging its chain around, and she takes her lightsabers out, and she cuts the chain, and it goes flying, and it literally just crushes one of the window portals, and pro- obviously murders all the people that are like <laughs> spectating this. And it's great. It's like we like this is the kind of thing that I want in Star Wars. I want just like again, it's just, just kinetic energy. Things are happening. It's just like it all makes sense for the narrative, but. It's not just happening arbitrary for the sake of just we need action. Oh yeah, you're right. It does look like a, like a quasi wampa. Yeah. Uh, okay. Never mind. I was about to screen share because I was like right at it. Yeah. So I think we might be on the scale. I'm watching it right now too. Oh, it's so much fun. Like I said, Zanger says she pulls out her lightsabers. Well, I, I just love them. how she doesn't use them for the longest time. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like, like it's this where she finally brings them out. And it's like, oh, once again, showing how these characters are over the top powerful. Yeah, but like at the same time though, but it's not like it's not too powerful. Like we'll get into like the overpower. Okay, I don't want to say overpowered. I I don't think it's overpowered. But like we'll get into that with Grievous, Grievous in chapter twenty. But like I believe like there's nothing like, while watching this. There's none of this that I can't believe wouldn't happen in the world of Star Wars. Like it's not Star Killer Force Unleashed level, just uh, overpowered for the Yoda sense of later. But I mean. Why not? Well, he's not? He's not really even overpowered in this. Uh, he's chucking around um, starships like they're candy almost. Well, okay, we'll, we'll get into that later on. But I, I, I can believe Yoda would be doing that. And I'm kind of disappointed that they don't. Well, okay, we'll, we'll get into that later on. That's, that's, that's chapter, what, 20, 21, 22? Yeah, it's, it's way later. So, okay, so we have the whole thing. Ventress shows herself. Dooku... Dooku comes down to her. You are more powerful than I had sensed. The dark side is strong in me. 
for I am Sith. <laughs> A bold claim, but you are not Sith. trappings of the Sith, you fight like the Sith, but this can be imitated, however. You lack a vital quality found in all Sith. Sith have no fear, and I sense much fear in you. You are a foolish old man who knows nothing of the dark side. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> He, he also some... flies, by the way. He also totally, like... He glides like, down. Yeah. He totally vampires it. Well, that's one thing, too. Like, it's, between this and the 2008 series, for some reason, they make Dooku's beard, like, very jag, like dagger-esque. Like, I feel like someone might... Like, if somebody got a little too close to Dooku and his beard, they might cut <laughs> themselves. just slice him. Well, but think about it. Like, in, like, even in the 2008 show, like his, his beard is just so sharp-looking. Like, I feel like he could like open cans with it. <laughs> so anyway, though, so like after that happens, he, he's like, "But you have fear, and those, and that's not Sith like." And she's like, "You are an old man, a fool." And I love this line delivery. And he's like, "Ha ha ha, indeed." And he just starts zapping her with the Sith lightning, and she just and like to the point where he he knocks her out unconscious. And next thing we know, she she's on this, she's in like a cave dwelling again. But it's not the same one from before. Also, great Foley art—I mean, Foley work by you know the wind, the cave. This had such great sound effects to it. It did because it's—it's it, it's just this. This would have silence, and you could add silence, but no, you have this—you know, this these curtains flapping in the breeze. Okay, I want to, okay, I have all of our listeners out there. I want you to think of another moment in all of Star Wars. It can be the movies, the holiday special, whatever. Please pick out another scene in anything, even a comic book. I'll take an onomatopoeia of curtains blowing in the breeze. And that's the only sound effect. Think about that. You can actually see the Emperor watching them in the background. I never noticed that. Really? Yeah. There's a wide shot at one point where you see him up on the top of the stairs. And I've seen this show way more times than I ever will admit. It's in the triple digits. Uh, she's sitting there. Dooku, she kind of just wakes up. She looks around the room. Dooku comes at her with a lightsaber. And she starts fighting Dooku with her two lightsabers. And Well, this time, she, for the record, it's worth knowing she has a blue and a green one. Cemetery. Yeah. And while they're just sitting there fighting, he's obviously toying with her. He, uh, with the force, pulls the lightsabers away from her, and he destroys them. And he's on the ver. He has her, has his lightsaber by her throat, and um, he doesn't kill her. And like Zinger already said, the emperor comes walking down. Holographic emperor on this little spider thing. Well, not the emperor, the uh, Sidious, I guess. Yeah, why do I keep saying? Seriously, I mean, I had a stroke earlier. Well, I think it's also worth noting, too, is that this is the first time he's ever called Darth Sidious, right? And also, he's called Lord Tyrannus. 
Yeah, because that's never because that's one thing about Star Wars too is that Darth Sidious. I, he was called like I know the Phantom Menace toys called him that. Like I know in the packaging it said Darth Sidious, but I don't think Darth Sidious is ever said until Revenge of the Sith. And like Zayer said, Tyrannus is, is never said. It's said on said Attack of the Well, it's 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 said, but it's never yeah. referenced who that is. Well, think about like, Thanks, even. Mark. In, <laughs> I know, like, even in the Clone Wars series, a thing in one of the episodes of the 2008 series, where they're like, wait, we found out that Dooku's Tyrannus. And it's like, like at that point, it's like, who cares? Like, we know Dooku's Tyrannus. And yet, it's, it's like, it's a weird thing where it's like, it has, like, a big payoff in the TV series, the 2008 one. Yeah, it's never really set up that well in any of the media leading up to it. Nope. <laughs> like, I Master remember, I, I, Sifo-Dyas. That's another thing that's set up and it's really never really paid off. Don't, until, don't you're, you guys are str- getting dangerously close to me just screaming about Attack the Clones. <laughs> this, all is, right, all right. this is way too much to Attack the Clones talk in a positive light for me. <laughs> so um, consider that your warning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. She, she's introduced to, to uh, Darth Sidious and, like, and, Duke, and obviously she's sent off on the ship that we'll later see. And Dooku and, and Darth Sidious are talking. She will be more than a match for young Skywalker. It matters not. She is merely an instrument to bring forth the eradication of the Jedi. I don't know who's doing the voice for Palpatine, but he's really doing the Palpatine-esque thing, where it's like, it does not matter. Her job is to sit. Oh, it's great. It's like, is the Revenge of the Sith level scene chewing just the voice? It's, it's perfect. <laughs> Nom. <laughs> It really is. It's it's kind of it's not as good as Domhnall Gleeson in the Force Awakens, where you can actually see the the, the chew marks and the phasma armor on Star Killer Base, but it's pretty close. The, the the level of 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 just embellishment is is dialed up to like ten. All right, Zenger, do you want to get into the the Obi Wan or I guess the Obi Wan and Clone Trooper armor? Yes, uh, by far my favorite version of Obi Wan is him in the Clone Trooper armor where he's got his clone trooper armor on, and then through it, he's got his robes kind of over it and interwoven. Oh, it's so cool. I'm watching it right now. And he's also on a speeder bike, and he's got lances, and it's a good old-fashioned lance-off or jousting match. That's another thing worth noting, too, that one of the biggest action sequences in this entire show is you have a bunch of clone troopers on speeder bikes with IG-88 robots, and they're and they're having a joust with lances. Yeah. Like, think about that. Like again, we do like yes, the two thousand. We're not trying to be disparaging to the two thousand eight series. We're just it's kind of like don't do it. We have to compare it though. We have to like again. Lucas made because one of these is canon and one of them isn't for no and reason. One, and one is definitively better than the other, but we're not going to say. <laughs> I might. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many great things. Again, like we talk about the fact, like, oh, we want new things in Star Wars, and it's like, like I know the fan base gets mad, like, oh, in the Last Jedi, it always goes back to the Last Jedi. It's okay, like, I gotta point this out because it just happened when I'm no, watching. Wait, it. No, wait, no, no. Ah, ah. It's like everybody's like, everybody gets mad at the fact that Kylo Ren and Luke Skywalker's lightsabers don't even hit in that last battle on crate. And I'm like, that's great. They're doing something that be, that's just different. Again, it can be very easy. We can have a fight in this where Dirge has, like, I don't know, a weapon. And he's, like, like, like the the staffs that Grievous' bodyguards have in Revenge of the Sith. Like, we can have a lightsaber 
on just staff fight. It's like, no, we get a Lance Joust fight in the middle of a Star Wars show. That's the sort of like new bold ideas we need going forward. It's like when, when we get the Ryan Johnson trilogy, we get the Game of Thrones writers 400 movies. I, I want something this, I want the jousting of Star Wars. I want something that unique and different. But Zenger, what did you want to bring up? Uh, okay. There is a point where, of course, they, they do the joust back back and forth, Dirge and Kenobi do, and then it's revealed that Kenobi's helmet's knocked off and his jousting thing is broken. So then, of course, he pulls out his lightsaber. Force pulls it out, by the way, where he just puts up his hand and it flies into it, so cool. And he, of course, flies by, cuts Sturge's bike, and as it go, it goes and explodes. But as he's sliding off, that is an obvious homage to the Akira movie. Just want to point that out. Where the bike's sliding and he's, like, leaning into it, that's an obvious Akira reference. Yeah, then, yeah. I, I never picked up on that, but yeah, you're yep. right, that is a, that's a clear Akira moment. Yes, it is. Yes, Which, it is. Shameless pug. In a couple of weeks, we'll be talking about Akira on the Cinemonides podcast. Hopefully only good stuff and the fact that the manga is ridiculously over the top. Yes, that that all of Akira. <laughs> they punched the moon. I did not know that. Yes. There's a okay, uh sidetracking real quick. In the Scott Pilgrim comic and movie, there's a reference to that they punch the moon that one of the characters punches the moon to show how much he loves them. That happens in the Akira manga, but it's never brought up because the movie only is based off the first half of the manga. Yes, and the second half gets ridiculous. And that's my anime nerd for the day. You're welcome. Obi-Wan uh, cuts off uh, his Droids' speeder bike. And one of the coolest moments, too, is that he's fighting Dirge now one-on-one. -on -one. There's no more speeder bikes. And oh, no, Dirge no, no, no. No, no, Dirge has a speeder bike as a freaking weapon. Well, yes, he, he lobs it Obi-Wan a couple of times. And Obi-Wan just, like, chops it in half. And, oh, man, it's so much fun. And you have that... Yeah. It, and every single time, so so Obi Wan swipes at the thing, cuts through the speeder bike like it were butter. He then impales Dirge. Dirge starts laughing at him while he's still impaled with a lightsaber. Going toward the new bold ideas I want in Star Wars going forward. I want a character, not that, again, I don't want to see it, I want to see it again though. But I'd love to see in live action a character impaled by a lightsaber and then start laughing. And then just then upping the ante even further, while the lightsaber is still impaled through him, Dirge starts punching Obi-Wan in the face until Obi-Wan eventually like pushes him back, I guess like gets back enough, far enough away until he starts shooting, I think it's the first time we've ever seen bullets in Star Wars. And they look like, to be like little needle things almost, like tiny little missiles. Yeah, but, like, yeah. but, but still, it, it, it's metal, it's not a laser. It's awesome. <laughs> and then Obi-Wan is like, he's getting fired at, Obi-Wan deflects all of it with the force, and then crunches the little device that's shooting it, and then a little... No, no, no. No, oh. no, he crunches the flamethrower. Okay, I'm sorry. Because then Dirge pulls out a flamethrower, and he deflects the flames, too, and then crushes the flamethrower. Yes, he does that, and then he takes out his blasters, and everyone just cuts them in half again. And then like after, then he takes out like a, a mace a mace on a chain, and literally lobs it to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan cuts the chain off that, 
And then Dirge, after burning through a speeder bike, uh, a, a gun gauntlet, a flamethrower, a mace on a chain, his blasters, and then resorts to just shields like on his like forearms as he deflects Obi-Wan's lightsaber blows. What's the, what's the phrase that pays about this show, Zenger? It's <laughs> over the top and awesome. <laughs> so, oh, boy. And then Obi-Wan proceeds to bisect him, much like he did. He, he First, he cuts off he cuts off his arm, and then he, cut, he cuts him right through the middle like Darth Maul. And he gets on his speeder bike, and he's getting the call from the ARC troopers that we saw before. General Kenobi, we are in position. I'm on my way. He gets on the speeder bike, and, and we cut back to Dirge's body parts as they start to reconcile and connect back to each other. And then he goes to meet up with the ARC troopers, and he like basically flies up the side of a building, jumping off his speeder bike, and he arrives, and the ARC troopers, to continue their amazing how awesome they are, are basically unfazed by him arriving. They're like, oh, General Kenobi, you're here. I, okay, you, you didn't do that justice. He drives a speeder bike... 90 degrees straight up the side of the building. You are not doing this justice. 90 degrees straight up. He then gets like three quarters of the way up the building. I guess at that point, the spear bike just gives out. He he jumps off But he off doesn't. No, he jumps off of it and then jumps past the height of the building and then does a superhero three-point landing on the building. Heck yeah. It's, I think I think part of the reason why Zenger's not thinking clearly is that I think he has like a a huge like like erection and just all the blood from his head just going directly <laughs> there and he can't think properly. I, I can't blame him for that. I think we all go. I think except for Mark, who's in sleep mode right now, we're all going through that. I think we have a massive, massive. No. <laughs> Mark's making it very loud and clear. He does not have the same affinity for the show that we have. It's just oh man, this show is just oh man, it's great. It and I think, here's the funny thing, great. I think that because it's like this outcast from the fandom, I think is what makes it so amazing for me, is that the, the, it is truly this lost gem that we are, like, forbidden to have now, because it's like, this isn't canon anymore. Its greatest achievement is also its ultimate detriment. It's just too weird and outside the norms of what Star Wars is considered. Like, it's just, it's right on the precipice. Like, if you have an open, if you love Star Wars, you have an open mind, you'll appreciate this, like, tenfold. But, like, if you're one of these people that gets hung up on stupid details of the Star Wars thing, like, well, actually, the speeder bikes only have a thrusting power of this, and they're not They wouldn't have been able to do that. Exactly. And that's, and, like, like most Star Wars fans, again, if you release this today, like, let's, let's just pretend, for example, Lucasfilm's like, oh, we're making this canon now. And they, like, they, like, and this was, like, I don't know, like, they put, like, two segments of this in front of every single movie going forward, kind of like a, what Pixar does with their shorts. Like, I would imagine people would be pissed off about this. Like, I, or honestly, it would just be ignored, like, Forces of Destiny. No, I'm saying, like, no, no, I'm, no, no, no. Forces of Destiny was, like, put in the corner and everyone's like wow we wonder why this show that, we, that got no marketing attention didn't do well i i think if you put like a real push behind this i think the fan base would be pissed off about it i honestly think so so zenger said oh he's on top of the building he tells the arc troopers let's do this they go into the command center where the different muns are part of the banking clan they they burst through the ceiling they shoot up the whole place up the leader is like hiding under a table general 
Mercy, I beg you. I am merely a banker. That is entirely up to you and your unconditional surrender. And so, next thing we know, Sanger, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, we, he we hear a sound and some sort of like machinery and it's coming toward uh, the building and Dirge breaks through and he has like a jetpack. Yeah, because why not? Through, and he breaks through and like all the clone troopers start shooting at him. And I'm not talking about like a couple. We're talking about like oh, 12 no. all of them. <laughs> all all the of the tro clone troopers. And they're shooting at him for what? Like easily like what? A solid 30 seconds? Ah, uh, yeah. And it's worth noting that he's still in the air and he does not stop. Like they're shooting him in the face and he only stops because they shoot his jetpack, which explodes. He falls down. They continue shooting him until one of the clone, the ARC troopers, comes over with a rocket launcher while the other ones are still firing at him and blows him up with, with a rocket launcher. And one of the ARC troopers is like, Control room secure, General. One can never be too sure, Commander. And the next thing we know, a couple of the clones are like, are like going around this like smoldering pile of smoke. And a giant, just like, not Arm. to bring this back to Akira, but like, like yeah. imagine Tetsuo's like huge arm. Like now that Zenger brings up, there's actually a lot of Akira in this. There is. Like, like this giant, giant, like flesh. Oh God. Like, like imagine like a fleshy Twizzler. I could that be a good way to describe this, Zenger? Yeah, sure. That's disgusting, but sure. <laughs> it's like a giant fleshy Twizzler that can like, expand. And it's just like white. It's just like like swinging and just wiping out the clone troopers. And he becomes like huge. Like before he was like, he was like, I don't know, maybe like what? Seven, eight feet tall. And now he's like, like this like 10 foot, 12 foot, just mass of just fleshy Twizzler. But he still has his helmet. Like that's the funny part. He still has his helmet. His helmet, like, he's just this giant mass of flesh, but he has his helmet and, like, his shoulder guards, and that's it. And his, um, gloves, too. Okay, and his gloves. And, and so he's fighting the clone, like, all the clone troopers are, like, shooting at him and doing all this stuff. Like, at one point, like, the clone troopers, like, attach, like, zip lines to him. Yep. And they start, like, zip, zip lining down, shooting him, and it does nothing. He's, like, he, like, twists and turns his body, and, like, obviously it rips the zip lines out. So Obi-Wan starts fighting with the lightsaber. The giant gets swallowed up. He gets swallowed up by the giant Twizzler flesh. And uh, the Art Trooper... <laughs> disgusting. And the Art Trooper puts a little taser thing on his head. It shocks him for like all of what? Three seconds? And then he basically throws the it all back at him. He, he, he takes the electric shock and zaps it back into the Art Trooper's wrist gauntlet, throwing him across the room. And he goes up to the art trooper about to attack him, I guess to swallow him, until we hear like a gastrointestinal sound. And he starts to like expand to where Obi-Wan literally just blows up the giant uh, Twizzler flesh monster. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and it's worth noting too that when Obi-Wan appears after he's blown him up, he's like all I've wet made quite a mess. Covered. Well he says that too, but he's like his hair's like wet, he has like pink slime all over his armor. And the last part of this chapter is 
They go back to the Mun leader of the banking clan. He surrenders, and all the clone troopers start marching out. And Obi Wan picks up Dirge's helmet, and the pink goo starts like parting ways, much like think like the T one thousand. After like he's frozen in um, nitrogen, and he starts to like fall out and starts to like congeal. It's much like that. General, are you all right? I'm fine. Seems I've created quite the mess now, haven't I? Yes, sir. <laughs> now, where were we? Ah, yes. I believe you were surrendering. Canon. He ain't dead. Well, you mean in Legends Canon? Well, in Legends Canon, he ain't dead. He turns up later on. Like, the only way, I think when he officially dies is Anakin kills him by putting him in an escape pod and shooting him into a star. Oh, is that how he dies? Yeah. Like, he beats the living hell out of Kenobi later on. I know, I know he showed up a lot in the comics. Yeah, he was a big part of the comics. Alright, so our last segment for this episode is Chapter 10, and we're going back out to the space battle with Anakin. With Cranky Anakin. Cranky Anakin. Cr cranky, angsty Anakin. Yeah, because I forgot to point out that part in the first thing where he's like, I can be a commander if I want to, Master. And the and Chancellor believes in me. Why can't you? And then he's like, I do, Anakin. And then it's like, oh, shame on you. And also, once again, we have, what, R3 or whatever the crap it is? R5. Not, not, R4, not R2-D2 because this one's going to die. I even like how it's a red one. <laughs> Star Trek reference. Yeah, that's obviously a Star Trek reference. Heck um, yeah. Another example of the fact that you could tell the show was like being produced before Attack of the Clones was out. If you look at all the, the Separatist vehicles, they're all Geonosian starfighters. Yep. Think about that. Like they're all like why are there being Geonosian starfighters? Like it doesn't make sense because as we know from the Clone Wars two thousand eight series, they carried over the Vulture, the Vulture Starfighters from the Trade Federation. And so you, you have that, because that's part of what, chapter chapter two, we have some of the space battle? Yeah. And so you have all the Geonosian fighters, Anakin's fighting them now in chapter 10, and it's really, like, I know this is part, I know like people make fun of this too, the fact that like, oh, like in episode four, like Obi-Wan's like, your father was a great pilot to Luke. And this is part of it, you get to see him sit there, take this, and we didn't bring this up before though, but like, it's the, I think it's one of my favorite vehicles in all of Star Wars. I love the modified Jedi Starfighter, the blue with the hyper hyperdrive components like built into it. Yeah. Because if you remember, the Jedi Starfighters did not have hyperdrive capabilities. They had to go into the, the hyperdrive ring. And this was so cool. So he could sit there because later on in, in the story, he has to do that. There wasn't time for him to go into a uh, hyperdrive ring. Oh, man, I love it so much. I love that Starfighter. That Starfighter is so great. I have, I have the Hasbro version. Oh, man, it is so cool. So cool. I know they also made a Lego of it, right, Mark? Yeah, yeah. I, I have it. You talking about the the Obi Wan one, the red one? No, no, the, the no, blue no. One. The blue no, one. No, no, this is. I got the red one. Um, well, well, that sucks. Actually, uh, speaking of, now that you're on it, um, they're supposed to come out with another Starfighter for Anakin in the next, either next month or the month afterwards. I don't know. Is, just it, some, is, it, some is it the there. blue one from the Clone Wars? Uh, yellow. Then it's not, oh, okay. No, we don't care then. Anakin is leading the, the, the space battle. We see him do some pretty cool uh, starship acrobats. Moves. 
He does. He's got some sweet moves. And he's attacking. He's shooting these two Genos and fighters. And at one point, they are losing the battle above the pa- the planet of um, Unilist. And they and so he starts doing all these things where I, some of my favorite Star Wars space dialogue, where he's like, R4. Commander, enemy reinforcements coming in point three five. Clear out, go to. I'm coming in. R4, switch all power to forward shields. I just like, oh god, like like what a hundred Gene Ocean fighters, and he just goes directly toward them. And he's yeah. and he's shooting them all. And then like he's like sitting there doing all these things where he's just flying around and he's just picking them off one at a time. And then they start like following him. And oh man, like there's a lot going on. It's hard to describe. Like, I don't want to just like repeat like just like describe what's going on in the scenes. Oh, but it's great though. It is great. Oh, it's great. It, it's like the George Lucas Steve Silver. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. And so he starts like again. So three of them start following him, and he has to like again, what's the word? Um, outmaneuver them so he can get behind. It's really great. At one point they start like firing on their own like ships, and it's worth noting that we never see this again. If you look the the ships that the Geonosian fighters come out of, they kind of look like giant batteries. Yep. And we never see those again, right? Yeah, I don't believe so. No. And so they were uh, too good for this world. They're too good for this world. Because think about it, all the other um, crafts are usually we see the ones from the Phantom Menace. They're the ones, I, I know there's a name for them. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I know there's some of the frigates that we would see in Revenge of the Sith. They show up in later segments. The Republic ships, the uh, what are they called? The V-19 fighters. This is their first appearance too. Uh-huh. A lot of stuff. Like, people don't realize how much was introduced in this show. And, and then so, ignored. And then ignored. Yeah, another great moment of this is where there's a bunch of the clone trooper ships and Anakin's being chased by again the hundreds of Geonosian fighters and he's like I know, I know. Red leader, fire all your missiles across the bow of Cruiser 8. But Commander, there's nothing out there. No targets. Do it now, trooper! They fire all these missiles as Anakin's about to go over the thing, and he just, oh man, he just wipes them. Oh god, it's so much fun. He just, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, and yet some of the missiles are still following him. So he like shoots into the, into like the path of all the fighters, and then like has that's the, what miss- you do. That's what you do. And it's worth like, like, the ships, the Geonosian ships are just like, oh god, they're like flowing like water out of this like giant battery ship. He shoots, breaks a small little like pathway into it, and then the missiles then go into follow him into the ship. These these missiles from the clone fires are really smart. They like they literally literally follow him until he gets into the ship where they deliberately hit all their targets. And and one thing I've absolutely loved ever since I watched this for the first time, one of the battle droids, like as Anakin's flying through there, which obviously is very reminiscent of what happened during the Phantom Menace. One of the battle droids, I love it. Looks like it's like it's waving to Anakin. It like it like it's like blow, like the ship's blowing up around him. And one of the, the battle droids just like w- like puts its arms up as if it's waving, and then it just blows up along with the rest of the ship. Okay, I'm I'm gonna watch for this now. So what? These missiles didn't have a target, and then they what auto locked onto him. I guess. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Sorry, I forgot. I cannot speak ill of this. I told you if this ha- this thing. That's another example. If this was was yeah, out yeah. today, <laughs> I told you the battle droid waves at him. <laughs> it just goes, "Hey!" It waves him. I like to imagine it's like the only battle droid that survived the Phantom Menace battle in Naboo. And it's like, "Hey, I know that guy." So um, he so he blows up the that one giant battery ship. We cut everything's to a, going good. 
everything's coming up Anakin. Yes, everything. Uh, and then we see one of the uh, couple of the capital ships, the Republic ones, are firing on another giant battery uh, uh, separatist ship. It blows up. Oh, wait, let's check. Everything's still coming up Anakin. Everything is still coming up Anakin. And he has a bunch of the uh, clone pilot squadrons behind him. And next thing we know... Commander Skywalker, almost all the gun platforms are destroyed. And only... Wait, what's that? Commander, we just lost Blue Squadron. A rogue fighter has... I see him. Mop up the fighters as planned. This one's mine. <laughs> Everything high... isn't coming up Anakin. No. An entire squadron is blown up all at once. Like, like what do you say? Gold squadron just blown up? Or no, blue squadron? Gone. 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 And so Anakin goes after this mysterious uh, starfighter. It, it, we don't know what it is at this point because it looks some because we don't know what the ship that Saj Ventress got into. All we see is kind of just flying off the planet. So we don't even know who this is at this point. It just streaks by, though. It just streaks by. And so he goes, and so the last shot of this is the two ships firing directly at each other. They're basically, um, oh, God, it's, again, it's much like it's another joust. They're just going directly head on. They're, they're kind of playing, playing chicken. chicken. Yeah. They're playing Star Wars chicken. And they're firing directly at each other. And the very last shot is Anakin just squinting his eyes. And boom, we're done with the first 10 episodes. And for those of you at home, if you were watching this quote-unquote live during 2003, you did not get to see what happened until the spring of 2004. You had to essentially wait four months, and you would find out, did Anakin get the shot? What would happen next? Who's the mysterious pilot? Would Dirge come back to life? Why didn't have the Mace Windu? Is there going to be another scene of Yoda riding a Kaibuck? Who knows? Singer. Come back in March. God Zinger hopes. God Zinger hopes. So, I, so this, this concludes our first of three segments on the Clone War series. Final thoughts on the first ten episodes. I figure because Mark's now finally gone into sleep mode, we will hear from Mark next week. Uh, I'm here. No, no, he's I'm, here. I'm quiet. He's, he's in sleep mode. Mm-hmm. So, Zenger, final thoughts on the first ten episodes. I, I really wish there was a way I could go back to me when I first watched this, even though I do think I enjoyed it a lot when I watched it originally. Just, just you know, to kind of look back at what I originally thought of this, because as anyone who's listened to anything I've ever been on vaguely talking about Star Wars, I'll probably bring this up the quickest convenience. Um, I loved everything they did with this. I, I thought it was amazing. Um, this is definitely a great opening to what would become a amazing series, in my opinion. So take that for what you will. And yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. I'm I'm very excited to talk about the rest of it. Uh, the grievous stuff is a lot of fun, and just the the weird developments that came up later in this. Even though Lucas is like, oh, I didn't like this, but yet there's a lot of stuff he kind of bent the knee to to this. Yeah, like I said, I, I think I think I think jealousy is the key word here. It's kind of like he. I don't think he expected this to turn out as well as it did. And I do think jealous. Like there are. I have heard stories that Lucas is a very jealous man. Like there's a infamous story that uh, the Star Tours ride at Disneyland, which is it was like one of the first major like theme park motion simulator rides, opened in like in 1987. And then there's like, there's an infamous story about how Lucas rode. Uh, Steven Spielberg brought Lucas to like the the one of the first ride like rides of uh, Back to the Future the ride, which borrowed a very similar motion simulator thing. And Lucas apparently was furious. Because he felt it was a ripoff of Star Tours, 
So I think I, I think Lucas is a, a, a envious man. I don't think he he abstains from jealousy. You're on notice, Lucas. Yeah, Jorge. It's all your Putting fault. Put him on notice. I did not watch the first ten episodes as they li- they aired live on Cartoon Network. I did not get into this as it aired until I spring of two thousand. No, I did. Oh, I bet you did. So I will I will be able to share in Zanger's sentiment. But I'd say though, I know exactly what went through my mind because this was just I soaked during the spring of two thousand four. I soaked this show up like a sponge, and hopefully between now and when we do our part two, because who knows? Again, this is the record. Anybody listening to this? Uh, we don't know when we're doing part two. It's the next we, week. Well, we hope we're doing it next week, but who knows? We JJ Abrams could be fired off episode nine, so who knows? Oh, uh, we're doing it next week. I'm oh, doing it next it. week. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but it's just going to be a. It's just going to be Zach and Mark having a conversation, and Singer's going to be commenting on the next <laughs> ten episodes. It's well, what episode was it? We were just like we were doing something like you didn't want to talk about it anymore, so you started watching the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom trailer. <laughs> And you're like, and, you're like cut. and Mark and I were talking about something. Every once in a while, you'd chime in and be like, "Apparently, the volcano is blowing up. And there's no more island." <laughs> I need to do that again. Just an episode. Just have a complete like different conversation for like half the episode. Yeah, but that's... but but by the way, rest in peace. Um, that dinosaur that was at the pier. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> For the record, folks, go see. As much as I hate Jurassic World, uh, go check out Jurassic World Two. It is a a uh, gleefully stupid movie, and it has probably the greatest villain in cinematic history in the form of the Indoor Raptor. It's, it's indoor. Why is it called the Indoor Raptor, Zinger? Goddamn. Because it's Zinger. Indoors. Why? Because it's a dinosaur that's indoors. You, you know what happens when it goes outdoors? It dies. <laughs> exactly. That's what happened in the movie. It went outside and it died immediately. Oh, and by the way, Zenger, if you do, I, I heard it on top of the fact that you're, um, I've given you a list of things you, you can talk about in Zeng this. If yeah. you ever do an episode about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, I call dibs. Much like Once I've already to- called di- dibs on the THX 1138 episode, I call dibs on the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Okay. Um, out of the two of those, the more likely one to happen would be the Jurassic World. No, THX 1138. But I, we're still discussing what's going to come after Potter, and since Jurassic Park is a movie series, dibs, 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 dibs on Fallen Kingdom, dibs, dibs. I, I, you're going to have to fight against me, basically banging my head against the wall to try to be like, how could, could, could three be the worst thing they've done? I don't know. This no, the fourth one's <laughs> Jurassic Jurassic World's the worst is an abomination. That's why I can't talk about that because it's just me complaining for three hours i can talk about why jurassic world fallen kingdom is the greatest stupid it is a oh my lord it's the uh, it's like the homer i think okay this is how i look at it. if jurassic park one is frank grimes jurassic world fallen kingdom is um i'm sorry jurassic world is the homer simpson to jurassic parks frank grimes <laughs> one is an intelligent well-shaped movie the other one's just a bumbling idiot just stumbles through everything it somehow succeeds in the process Oh man! All right, Mark. Anything you want to say about this? Uh, no, I'm 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 good. I mean, as far as Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom goes, uh, <laughs> there's one thing I had in mind, but that's another story for another time. All right, Mark. Did you pick out the Trump line in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Um, I did. Don't give it to him. Make make him think about it. Um, the character. 
No, that's the no, the character, uh, Ted Levine's character, the guy that that's the dinosaur hunter that, that rips the teeth out of dinosaurs. Yeah. Did you catch stupid, his line? Stupid things. Oh, um... Dumb motivation. The the, these, line? These, these aren't the lines. This is me saying that character's motivation is stupid. He uh, says, he, remember, the di- remember the dinosaur veterinarian, and she says something to him. He's like, what a nasty woman. Oh. I'm pretty sure that sound effect plays right after that line. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm surprised he did. I'm surprised he resisted the urge to wink directly into the camera. No, no, no. That's saved for the indoor. Only the indoor raptor is allowed to wink into the camera. (laughs) Only the indoor raptor is so intelligent, it knows that it's in a movie. That's the greatest moment in that film. When that happened during that part of the movie, I stood up and applauded. That movie, the dinosaur looks into the camera and winks. I said, you know, I said, as much as I loathe and despise Jurassic World, that moment might have made up that, may have made that entire film worth it because it gave us that moment. Man, you sure hate the first Jurassic World. I do. I hate the, I do. And yet, after all my bitching and moaning about Colin Trevorrow, uh, Directing episode nine, I would literally give my left arm to read his script for episode nine. I would do any okay for the record. If we have anybody, any listeners out there, I am putting a bounty. If anybody's brave enough, break into Lucasfilm, steal the Colin Trevorrow episode nine script. Let JJ sit in the corner. I don't care. I want the Colin Trevorrow episode nine script. If, 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 if there are any Lucasfilm employees out there, I will pay good money for that. And, and, and while you're at it, um, look for um, the original ideas for the sequel trilogy that Lucas had. No, don't want that either. No, <laughs> those don't Col- exist. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want those. I want the Colin Madman Trevorrow episode yes. nine, like where Kylo Ren and Ray have a love child through hand touching. I want that movie. Uh, okay. What? That's true. That was apparently according to, to the leaks. That was going to be a thing. Like wasn't it's kind of like like what was it wasn't that a Futurama episode where Leela and yes. um, Kip plot point from a Futurama episode was going to be the nexus of the sequel trilogy? Let that sink in, people. That is what Colin Trevorrow was going to give us. The hand touching somehow led to Ray getting pregnant. Let that sink in. I want yeah. that movie. Can we get that movie, please? Make it happen. I'm gonna write a letter to Colin Trevorrow. Colin Trevorrow, and, and your congressman. I am so, so yes, write to your congressman and tell him we want the episode <laughs> nine script. We want that so bad. Let that sink, folks. Colin Trevorrow was gonna do that. Just give it to us. Just I just want to, I, I would do. I guess it, I'm again. If we have any Lucasfilm employees out there, I will uh, sing at your wedding if you sit there do that. I'll make that an ultimate. We will if we ever get the episode nine Colin Trevorrow script. We will end this podcast because we'll never be able to top it after we, that'll be the Spiller Warnung of, of, <laughs> of all Spiller Warnungs. Because I'm pretty I am starting to have this that maybe that was Colin Trevorrow who was Saddam Hussein. Yes. To be fair, Saddam writes better probably than Colin Trevorrow does. So you know what? That might be an insult to Mr. Hussein. <laughs> all right. Are we are we through here? Uh sure. All right. I'm good. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at KOV Podcast and on our Facebook group, where Mark is, as of right now, is still lurking, despite the fact that Porg Knight's blinds are not working. So Porg Knight, you might want to put up like a, a black shade or something, because Mark is definitely peeking through your windows. <laughs> if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on. 
For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Rogue Knight, K-N-I-T-E, and please mail the Colin Trevorrow Episode 9 script to... And on the Cinemodies podcast, where we'll be talking about Perfect Hair Forever. I don't know what it was then, I still don't know what it is now. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. You know what Perfect Hair Forever is? Yes! I still don't know what it is, and I've watched it a few times. Oh my, no, I don't know what it is. Oh my gosh, that show was so funny and weird. That show is weird. I was like, broke Zenger. They should have been acting amazing. Last week, I broke Mark when it came to Spiller Warnung. This week, I broke Zenger from Perfect Hair Forever. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty, Mark, I don't know how you can follow that one up, but please tell us where people can find you. (laughs) Alright, well, I'll follow it up with uh, my hand, though. at Mark Fa- Mark Fan Patriot. That's M A R K F A N P A T R I O T. You can find me on my podcast, The Clone Wars 2003 series, the best thing that ever got put on television. I look forward to finding that. I'll, I'll and also, you the... can find me wherever people are questioning whether it was good or not, yelling at them. Look for Zenger on your local street corner, folks. He's the guy holding the sign that says 2003 greater than 2008. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear a no there. So a, I confused a lot of people. Did I get my so. point across? <laughs> or at least you think you do. All righty, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.